Online keeps marching forward, and today we are shifting the incoming missile reticle to the MWO Summer Grand Prix. O7 MechWarriors, it's Cozent Indigo here again, and in this episode, we're giving you an introduction uh, to the next competitive MWO tournament. Now, we've had the Martial Olympiad Reborn and the Innersphere Coalition so far, uh, and as we build towards the world champs this year, we are now looking at another 6v6 tournament. Brought to us by the awesome guys at 228th IBR. Now if you don't know who 228th are, you really haven't been paying attention to unit tags in the drop screen, uh, but they are one of the biggest and most competitive units on the scene, uh, and they have put their heads together to bring us the Summer Grand Prix uh, tournament that they have been cooking up for a little while now. Now to give us the details about the tournament, I talked with Oblivion SK. Uh, who is a top competitive pilot and uh, a member of 228 Blackwatch, their uh, top team. Uh, they are currently, of course, one of the top four teams in the game. Now, it gives us the lowdown on the format of the tournament, some of the unique rules uh, and innovations that they are looking to trial, uh, what metas and strats we might see in the tournament, uh, given those things. Uh, and, of course, he talks about the place that the Grand Prix has uh, in the wider competitive MWO league happening. Really did enjoy the conversation. Uh, it was really, really great to hear the amount of thought and consideration uh, that 228 have put into the tournament. It was pretty clear from Oblivion's description that they really want to help uh, expand and improve the competitive scene uh, by trying out some, some kind of cool, innovative approaches to comp play. Uh, in particular, trying to draw in those teams uh, that aren't at that kind of higher skill level. As we know, comp play has to be not only fun to play, but uh, it does need to be really great to watch as well. Uh, and I think that once you listen to what Oblivion has to say, you'll see that those are the things that are at the front of their decision-making process, which is really, really awesome stuff and great from uh, such an influential unit uh, within the community. So make sure you get involved in the tournament. Uh, all the relevant links will be in the show notes below, but uh, look, it's pretty simple. Uh, head to the MWO Comp Discord if you haven't already and follow the appropriate links. Uh, make sure that if you can't jump in and participate to shoot some mechs, uh, that you do tune into all the action via the 228 streamers that will be casting it, uh, the likes of Nita Pickle, Defunct, and those guys. As always, uh, thank you to our incoming missile patrons, uh, Dan N, Freerider AU, John Doe Iowa, MWO Comp, uh, Jacob Sawyer, Shaky Snake, Ryos, Chillgaps and Waterdeer, Knight of the Day, Nakora Doomguard, uh, and to our newest patron, Robin M. Your support, as always, is greatly appreciated. Uh, and if you did want to support us in more tangible ways like these amazing mech warriors do, you can become a patron for as little as $2 per month. Uh, so look for Incoming Missile Podcast on Patreon, uh, where you might even come along to join us for an episode uh, like Nick did recently. Right, let's get into it. Right, the competitive MWO scene keeps marching on and on the back of the Marshall Olympiad Reborn and the Innersphere Coalition, 
Uh, we move now to the MWO Summer Grand Prix, who is hosted by our friends in the MWO Stalwarts 228th IBR. Now, uh, in the episode today, we are going to preview that tournament, uh, and I am joined by tournament organizer Oblivion SK. How's it going, man? Welcome to the podcast. Hey, yeah, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Right, let's get down to business. Uh, let's talk the Summer Grand Prix, and uh, let's kick off uh, with a talk, I guess, about the format of the tournament. Uh, can you take us through uh, the structure and, I guess, some of the key rules? Yes, yeah, so the tournament's basically one week. I mean, it's technically two weeks, but most people will just be playing in the first week. It's two nights, Friday night, Saturday night. It's going to be Swiss pairings. Everyone's going to play everybody. We're going to go through, and after that, cut to uh, top three teams, most likely, and then go to double elimination the following weekend. So effectively, you have a, a point, a cut, like you might in golf or something like that, uh, that you've got to qualify to a certain position, uh, and then you've got... I guess a finals series is that the best way to describe it yeah yeah basically every every win in the swiss pairings will give you a point and then the people with the top three points are going to be moved on to the finals awesome and using the swiss system that often means that um teams need to be seated to go in to see who they match up against are you guys going to do uh, a seating process like uh mor and i seated we talked about it quite a bit actually uh what we determined was it's we're going to go based off of registration so if we, right now, I believe there's only about five teams signed up, but most tournaments have a lot of their signups happen right before the tournament starts. So if we get an explosion of people and there's a bunch of teams, we'll seed them and we'll try to go through pairings. But if we have a relatively light turnout, then we'll probably just randomly pair people. Nice. And of course, with Swiss, hopefully what it means is that you will tend to get teams matching up against other teams. Uh, so maybe the rankings at the start uh, don't matter too much. Yeah. So um, let's say I am signed up uh, and I'm ready to play. What should I expect from the Summer Grand Prix in regards to you know team compositions and, and uh, the game that I'll actually be playing? So a lot of team composition here is going to be a little more generalized than your average tournament. We decided to go with the bucket system for the maps. So right before the match is actually launched, both teams are green, they're confirmed, ready to go. The judge will randomly select a map out of the pool for that particular drop. So I believe drop one is Mining Collective, Canyon Network, and one other map. Viridian Bog? <laughs> uh, yeah, Viridian Bog, I believe, yeah. And so that they'll have no idea going in. You have to design a deck that's going to perform well on all three. And we tried to pick maps that are almost like each other. Canyon Network, a lot of ups and downs. You need a good amount of jump jets, some mobility. Uh, same can be said for Mining Collective, although not quite to the same extent. And while mo mobility is very helpful on Viridian Bog, it's not absolutely essential to victory. So y your deck can be tweaked a little bit from map to map, but there's always a probability that if you bring a map teched to one specific function, that you could just get a map that you don't do well on. I mean, that's a really key difference that um, you're going to put together a drop deck, really, that's that's trying to suit a style of map. And as you say, you've kind of grouped the maps there um, so that they are uh, relatively similar in the type of deck that you might take. I mean, that's it's really cool. That's really different, I guess, from what we have seen so far. And it's cool because we've this will probably be the third different um, approach to map selection that we've seen. Um, you know, if we can just jump ahead to something that we were going to talk, um, what, how do you guys think that this type of um, map selection process will make a difference? You know, what, 
what do you, what are you guys hoping to get out of um, just presenting one of three different maps and making it a little bit random? So I think a big thing we're going to get out of this is that there's going to be a mild amount of consistency across all the different pairings. So round one, you're going to see a lot of similar drop decks from each team, even though they end up playing on different maps. And while there's a mild amount of consistency, it also makes it really fun and entertaining to watch and cast. I felt like that's something that we haven't gotten out of some tournaments in the distant past. Uh, ISC and Morate have been really fun to watch, actually. But in sometimes uh, I've found some casts a little, just a lot of the same. Uh, Worlds last year, it got to a point where you'd see like Annihilator, Heavy Mech, Heavy Mech, Hunchback, these set of mediums, Javelin, just bashing each other in the face over and over again. And th this is actually where we talked about this tournament at first. We thought, we, we were at Worlds and we're like, what what do you think they could change going from this year's Worlds to next year's Worlds? What's the most radical idea they could have that still kept it fun? And we started spitballing and throwing them into a Google Doc and eventually we got to where we are now. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. I mean, it's um, firstly that you guys are going through that thought process to say, you know, how can we improve the spectacle of uh, comp? Um, and of course, that you're thinking that framed uh, in the sense of worlds, you know, from one worlds to another. And you're exactly right. You know, the, the spectacle of comp, whilst you want competitive to be good for the participants uh, and the teams, the spectacle of comp is a really, really important element because, uh, of course, you know, the, the better it is to watch and the more support you have for comp, then obviously the more comps you're going to get and the healthier the scene. So this is really yeah. interesting to say that you've got a, a, a group of maps and that's probably gonna they're probably gonna have similar styles but the terrain's gonna be slightly different you know the approach might be slightly different from canyon to mining um obviously with uh and we'll talk a little bit more about format but for drops one and two am i right in saying that those would be domination so say for yes. canyon and um you know if we're going to uh, drop two where it's rubelite tourmaline and grim uh the domination as well so do you think we're going to see a great variety of drop decks. Is it going to be the maps that dictate the decks, or is it going to be the mode is going to be more influential? Uh, game mode and map both have a lot of influence when we form drop decks, but it's not all domination. You do have a drop of conquest at the end. Yeah, that's a bit of a tiebreaker almost, which is you know what it'll be in most cases. But yeah, you're right. It is mostly domination. But the variety of maps and the randomness of the maps and the extra little flavor rules we have in there to edit deck construction, I think will really have a big impact. I think we will see quite a bit of variety uh, versus some past tournaments. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, I like that you guys have um, added some of those things in there to help encourage you know, some diversity and, and, and for people to take some different ideas in to try and be successful. So let's um, I mean, let's push on. I guess with that format stuff, we've dropped. We know that the uh, map is probably going to be one of three, and that is going to be random. Uh, the drop itself, though, it is six v six, like in a sphere, but the tonnage is different. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it's going to be three sixty tons. Uh, a bit, a bit higher. We wanted. We we talked a lot about what we wanted average tonnage to be, per per player, and we ended up landing on sixty. We felt that when the tonnage is a bit lower, sometimes you see drop decks begin to gravitate around a lot of medium mechs right now in the meta, mostly just because heavy mechs are in such an awkward place that it's really hard to feel like, hey, this heavy mech is definitely better than this medium mech. 
like it's just with with a combination of how the quirks worked out and ghost heat and stuff it's a little difficult to put definitely more firepower onto a heavy mech enough extra firepower to justify playing it over a medium yeah yeah look i agree and um you i think that's exacerbated by the clan and is difference uh, you know we one of the things i think we saw from isc was that uh inner sphere heavies uh struggle a little bit as you as you go up uh and over 60 tons compared to clan heavies uh and yeah. you know is do tend to kind of own uh anything you know 40 or 45 tons and below but from there on uh, you know, clan really starts to take over from from sixty upwards. So when you're getting that mix of medium or heavy, and what do I take? Uh, if the tonnage limit is too low, we might see clans just dominating. You know, clans becoming the meter to take because uh, it becomes the best kind of tonnage calculation. I mean, for was there something in mind that you settled yeah. on, uh, or, or was there a drop deck or that you had in your head, or was there anything that drove it? beyond the 360, because we're talking about an average now of, of 60 mechs uh, per tonne, as opposed to the kind of 50 to 55 that we had with the Inner Sphere Coalition's tonnage limit. How do you expect the drop decks to pan out? You know, Was there an, a mix in mind, particularly if you think about, I say, chassis limits or some of the other constrictions? So some of the key deck construction things that our tournament is going to feature is we're allowing hero mechs were allowing reward mechs that weren't cash only basically anything that you can acquire in mech warrior online without directly exchanging it for us dollars or sorry any kind of currency i guess for me it would be us dollars is available for use in the tournament uh we we discussed it and we feel like if someone played this game long enough a lot of these hero mechs that are playable aren't actually that far out of reach a couple thousand MC. I mean, they do they do events like what every other weekend now. They with reward backs, MC rewards. Heck, at um at World Championships last year, I got three thousand and one thousand MC codes just for winning the Solaris stuff that they had set up at the convention, and I got like twenty five thousand MC because I did it a bunch of times. And so we didn't think that allowing Kiromex was super restrictive. And they, they add a lot of variety to play. Like, if you look at the 4-4, the quick draw, that thing is just nuts compared to the other quick draws. With those MRMs, it just sprays and prays, and that's not really something a lot of other mechs do. Yeah, and the, the good thing about that is that they can be good without being meta. And, and I think it's hard to look at a hero mech that is meta and, and stands that far above uh, other mechs. I mean, even if we think about, say, the Mad Cat, the Death Strike is a very, very good mech. Uh, but you know the Medcat B is is probably even more meta, and, yeah. and you know if you had a choice between the two. Oh yeah, the Death Strike is nothing compared to the two B two CB. Yeah, so I mean that's fantastic, and it's almost a credit, I guess, to PGI that uh, those uh, say MC only mechs are accessible now because of of potentially the generosity in the um, in the event. So I think that's great, and um, you know the 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 Heroes is a great one. Uh, anything else, I guess, unique about um, you know that tonnage or, or the 6v6 that you'd want to mention? Um, obviously, we've talked about the fact there's domination, but what are some other key things? Another thing I think is going to be really key is that this tournament allows duplicates, but at the penalty of removing 10 tons from that drop deck while it has a duplicate in it. That's awesome. So run, run that through for me. I mean, how is that going to be influential? How might you see that playing out? The, the thought process was here. 
here was that in, in more eight, I distinctly remember we took some kind of DACA deck that featured uh, bushwhackers, some other things, but it also had a Madcap 2CB and a Blood Asp as its main DPS. And we looked at the 2CB and the Blood Asp, and we're like, wow, this Blood Asp is five tons heavier, but literally worse than the Madcat in every way, except a couple of points of armor on each component. Like, this, this Madcat just way outperforms it for five tons. And so we thought, okay, so five tons doesn't really make that significant of a difference. Does 10 tons make that significant? Does 15? And at first we thought about having the tonnage penalty increase as you added more duplicates. So it went, it went like 10, 25, up like that. That ended up being too severe. So we just cut it to 10 and we decided that 10 was severe enough a penalty. It, you, had to, you would have to sit down and have a conversation with yourself like, okay, the Mad Cat's definitely better. Do I want to spend five more tons to bring a Blood Asp? Or do I want to spend 10 more tons to retain the mobility of the Mad Cat? That's awesome. And uh, to run that as an example, uh, if I was to take uh, two Mad Cats and two IV4s, I'm going to suffer a, a 20-ton penalty? Correct. So at the most you could have is a 30-ton penalty then at that point, because you'd have you know, six max per deck, three duplicates. I love what you've done here in that um, adding these elements in that uh, almost add to the mech math, you know, the the uh, strategizing and uh, that time that you have to spend in the mech lab uh, is uh, even more now where you're adding in these variations. Do you think that that's going to be something that's embraced, or do you think that people are just going to kind of quickly settle on uh, an approach and go with that. You know, that's something that we're not a hundred percent sure on. We talked about it quite a bit, and some people are like, <laughs> 10 tons. <laughs> I'm never taking a duplicate. Get duplicates away from me. This is a singleton tournament." And we've had other people who are like, "If I bring two of this, two of this, and two of this, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, three thirty tons is the tonnage limit. Don't don't tell me three sixty. It's three thirty. So I, I think it's something that's going to pan out through the tournament. As you see games play, I think teams will develop things that they like more than others personally i think that one duplicate is going to be the way to go some like okay for example atms mostly only playable on medium x and distinctly only playable on clan medium x and the ones that do it the best are the huntsman and the vapor eagle uh oh way below that you have the hunchback the hunchback isn't quite maneuverable enough to jump pivot twist snap in a way that you need an ATM mech to do. So if you look at it and you're like, okay, I want to bring three or four ATM mechs, do I want to make my deck way worse and bring a hunchback? Or do I want to sacrifice like 10, maybe 20 tons and bring double huntsmen and one or two vapor eagles and retain the really, really nice mobility that you get out of playing ATM mechs? And I, so I think one or two duplicates will be the way to go. Nice. And it will be really interesting to see how that does play out, to see whether people uh, take the mech math that far to try and get the advantage with the better mechs. Do you think that there is uh, a risk that people, it will encourage people to default to what would be more quote-unquote meta mechs? Might we see the same type of drop decks, you know, including the same type of mechs? Yeah, I think in other tournaments... Defaulting to Metamex has been a... It hasn't really been a thing you've thought about. It's just a thing that, that has happened or hasn't. Like, it's... You either bring a crap ton of meta or you bring these couple of flavor mechs that happen to be good for that one particular competitive meta that aren't really actually competitive... Air quotes, competitive mechs. 
But I think that here we're gonna. You know, the the fact that I'm I'm like debating with myself mentally, I think shows that like it. I think this tournament is going to leave a lot of room for interpretation of that. I think it's going to change game by game. Um, I, as for will it be all Metamex, I think it brings the non-Metamex closer to the Metamex because bringing non-Metamex actually does have a reward now. You can bring duplicate Metamex or you can have more tonnage and bring beefier non-Metamex, which will then put more armor on the battlefield, more tankiness, and these slightly worse mechs will have more armor and more advantage to be able to press against these metamechs and actually have more of a competitive edge against them. So I think we could see non-metamechs being closer to metamechs than we have in previous tournaments. I mean, that's a fantastic point. You know, you, you would almost see just how meta, in air quotes, a mech is if you're willing to give up the tonnage. So if you were to take two madcats versus a madcat and a blood asp, do we see that madcaps are meta enough that they just run over the madcat and the blood asps? So yeah, it is. it just throws another kind of really fascinating element to it. And hopefully kind of all the, the mech nerds out there that, you know, like to put strategies together and like to construct drop decks, you know, they're, they're the machine and the wheels are turning already for them as they, uh, they think about how they could uh, construct something within that 360 ton limit. Yeah, I hope I hope so. I think that's one of the most entertaining things about MechWarrior Online is being able to debate about these decks and put them together before you go. If you look at something else with deck construction, like a card game, if you if you go into like a Hearthstone tournament or something and you change three, four cards in the default deck, people are like, what is this idiot doing? Two <laughs> percent of his deck is different than the best one? What an idiot. What one? I can't believe he's doing that. Blasphemy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, really good point, and uh, it will certainly be something that we'll watch for in the tournament and uh, look forward to how it's going. So let's um, sum up a couple of those uh, key points there. Um, obviously, the tournament structure, as you said, uh, does effectively have a final series. It'll play out over two weekends, and it will be uh, Swiss pairing. It is uh, 6v6, and the board is open uh, across the type of mix that you can take uh, within that 360 tonnage limit. Um, there are those interesting rules around duplicates. Uh, but of course you can take heroes and those things that are purchasable by in-game currency, not the straight dollar purchase, but in-game currency. Anything that can be brought by MC or C-bills is fair game. Uh, we mentioned 360 is that tonnage limit to work within, uh, and of course it is best of three, uh, with the first two drops being Domination, the Tiebreaker um, being Conquest, and for each drop there is a uh, one of three maps that you could be on so you don't actually get to prep for an exact map ahead of time. Uh, does that cover the basic details? Was there anything else to add into there? I think that is a pretty good summary, yeah. Awesome. And as we can see, there's some really interesting similarities in that uh, to other tournaments that we've seen. For example, the 6v6 uh, is uh, very similar to Innersphere, uh, but the tonnage limit puts it up uh, a little bit. And of course, we start to see um, hero mechs uh, and some of those other ones that we may not have seen um, in the tournaments thus far and of course we now go back to seeing domination um, like we saw in MOR and we saw some just crazy uh, all in brawls uh, and some quick <laughs> some really quick games uh, in domination so looking forward to that uh, so we you have already mentioned uh, around the format some some noteworthy uh, changes or exceptions and Oblivion, what I like the most is that you've put those in perspective to say, this is why we're doing it and this is what we're trying to encourage. 
Uh, now, there is uh, a couple of other ones uh, that I think that we could um, talk about. And the first one um, that I wanted to ask you about was the fact that you have uh, excluded players from the top four uh, comp teams from tournament play. So uh, if you are a member of EMP, uh, Eon Synergy, 228 Black Watch, uh, or JGX slash Black Homan, uh, you're not going to be able to compete. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about why you guys have opted for that rule? Because you're excluding yourself, of course, as a top comp player. Yeah, we, we have excluded ourselves. Yeah, and we, we have excluded a couple of other teams. And this is probably the major talking point of the tournament. People people are either completely dumbfounded or they hate it or they love it. There is it's <laughs> there is no in-between. Um, we, we talked a lot about this, a lot, a lot about this. And originally the idea behind this tournament was we were at Metcon. We were all probably a couple beers too many deep, uh, and we were all like, yeah, we're totally going to do this tournament in like a week after we get home, and we're going to be like, no, the top 12 teams are out of here. Let's give all these other teams a chance to actually win something, man. And then we sobered up and got home, and we're like, oh my god, this is so much work to put a tournament together. Okay, hang on, we're delaying it a little bit. And we got so far away from when Metcon was that we were like, okay, at this point, we can't say we're excluding these top 12 teams because some of these teams don't exist anymore. Or some of these teams aren't, like, the top teams ever now. Some of them have been surpassed or some of them have lost a bunch of people. Uh, 228 Swamp Foxes, for example, is completely retired. It's, it doesn't exist anymore. They're gone. Uh, but they were a top 12 team. So, like, to put in rules that we were excluding a team that no one is part of just felt a little silly. So. We asked ourselves, who are the top teams right now? Okay, do we want them in our tournament? What will probably happen? And what we saw was a lot of these quick, fast, gritty weekend tournaments are usually dominated by one or a couple of these teams. And that's that's fine. That's competitive MechWarrior. But what we really wanted was we wanted to give the teams that participated in Worlds but didn't make it to somewhere where they got piles of MC or mech packs or a, a decal with their team name, which was really cool. <laughs> but we we wanted to give them an opportunity to have that moment. We wanted to have them go home with the prize. We wanted teams that worked really, really, really hard, but never get recognition for it or rarely get recognition for it to be able to go into something, win the whole thing, and go home with the trophy and a fat chunk of prizes. We thought that it was really unfair that a lot of these teams work just as hard, if not harder, than we did. But just because they weren't us, just because they didn't have our our win-loss ratio, nobody told them good job for putting in even more work than us. And so we wanted to give these these teams that opportunity. It also makes for really, really good casting. It's it's going to be casted by us. It's almost entirely two two eight. So you're seeing Need a Pickle, Defunct, maybe even Panic Button, streaming all of this, and to make it as entertaining as possible and as easy as possible for them to have these moments where they're on the edge of their seat, screaming into the microphone like, "Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening." You need teams that aren't afraid to have like upsets, like teams people haven't seen before going in there and like smacking down these other teams in a way that people haven't seen before. That's really what is fun to watch, you know, is underdogs, people you 
don't get to see all the time. Yeah, I mean, the un- the unpredictable certainly makes the spectacle uh, that much better with comp, you know, when you see things. Yeah, suspense <laughs> yeah. is like half the point of doing it. Yeah, anything. absolutely. So um, let me just challenge you on a couple of points because I think the, the listeners will maybe pick up a couple of things straight away. Um, that, sure, yeah. You know, like I agree with you to some degree. Uh, then another part of me, because it's, it's certainly um, a noble pursuit to say, hey, let's... Um, restrict let's take out the juggernauts uh, and let's let the other other up-and-comers um, have their moment in the spotlight you know and, and or or maybe even make the playing field a little bit more even you know maybe we're more likely to get uh, balanced or evenly matched teams uh, if we do uh, you know limit some of those those uh, top teams the there's probably a couple of other um, negatives to to that limitation um, the first one being that if I'm a really top team, if I'm outside the top four, but I'm within the top 12, uh, say it's a Phoenix Legion or a Majestic 12 like we saw uh, in ISC, I actually probably need to be going up against those top four teams to be getting challenged. Um, and the way that I get better, uh, or one of the key ways that I get better as a team is to test myself against one of those top four teams in a tournament uh, environment. So of course. yeah, it may be yeah. a case that you are are restricting or you're not helping Phoenix Legion or Majestic 12 or some of these other top teams, RJF, um, from getting better because they're not getting the chance to go up against um, EMP or, or EON in that setting. Um, does Is that something, how do you find the trade-off there? Is it, are we just going to swap uh, a group of one set of top teams for another group of top teams? Do we now see Majestic, Phoenix Legion RJF, um, those top teams, maybe even 228 Death from above, uh, you know, or, or some of the top 228 teams in that kind of Div B level, for lack of a better word. Do we just see them come in and start wiping the floor with other teams the way that MP and JGX and Eon would come in and wipe the floor? We, we certainly could. There's, there's a lot more of them, though. There's, like, like you said, the top four teams are gone, so now what is the rest of the top 12 going to do? Well, that's eight of them, and we get to see them beat up on each other, and that's twice as many teams. There's, we, we just wanted some variety for the first run of this tournament. It does specifically denote in the rules that that is only for the first run, and we do plan on running this again in the near future and allowing those teams to compete. Uh, we just really wanted um, an experience that we could look at every single game as a piece of data. We didn't want to look at this as, oh, yeah, we, we already know how that, that outcome, we already knew that outcome, like we don't, we don't need to exclude these. We want, this is a tournament where our target audience, our, our target demographic is those other eight teams, the other 24 teams in the top 36 that I believe got some, some amount of prizes in uh, Worlds in the, the comp queue, for example. Those are the people that we're building the tournament for. It's we're not every single competition in MechWarrior Online is designed for four dozen people. It's designed for hundreds of people. CompQ had a plethora of teams, some of which we had never seen before, all compete against each other. And that's what CompQ was for. CompQ was for all those people, not just the top handful. So we wanted to give people an opportunity to see those other teams and see that they put in just as much work. And to, we want we when we make changes to this tournament and redo it, allowing those teams to come back in and compete again, we really want it to be polished. We want something refined. G two eight's never hosted something like this before. 
So we're taking this as an opportunity to compile a data set that we can directly compare changes to. And to do that, I felt that we it was best that we didn't have the top teams there. I love the sentiment and, and more than anything else, I love the thought that you guys have put um, into it because this approach is saying how can we benefit the comp scene as a whole rather than individual teams or um, the, or the, even the tournament itself. And I think one of the things that further supports what you're trying to do is that this isn't the only tournament. You know, what uh, is very much trying to happen is to get a league together, a group of tournaments that all contribute to a singular outcome. And uh, it's good to have tournaments that maybe do different things. I mean, we do need to remember that, you know, EMP, Eon, Blackwatch, Blackwatch, JGX, they may want to break. They may want to take a tournament off um, and, you know, develop stuff. And, and, you know, they may not want to just come in and play every tournament and dominate. So to have uh, a tournament that is aimed at achieving those things that you were saying. So trying to um, spread the field a little bit, trying to probably encourage other teams to take part because they know they're not just going to get stomped by EMP or, or have that unlucky first round against uh, a top four team. I think that's, that's really good. And as I said, if this was the only tournament um, before Worlds, it might be a problem. But uh, the Grand Prix, of course, is one of uh, hopefully many, many tournaments uh, in a league that's contributing to the, to the greater goal of, of uh, a comp scene in general for MWO and, of course, for the ultimate prize, uh, which is world. So, yeah, really, really cool what you guys are doing and, and the thought that you've put into what this tournament is going to do. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to say that I, I, know, I know that that is a key discussion point that I've seen a lot, like in um, the MWO comp scored, which has exploded in popularity. A lot of people have said in there that okay, you've taken away these top teams now. Now, where is, our, where is our final boss of the tournament? And while there will be a new final boss, um, we don't know who it is. I think it's good that we can question who it is. Like the fact that we can sit down here and be like, will there just be a new set of final bosses or won't there be? I think adds a lot of suspense. And these teams can also, like, I, I don't know about the other three teams, but Blackwatch rarely ever turns down the opportunity for a scrim. If if a team were to contact us and be like, hey, we know you're not playing in the GP, but we want to practice for the GP, we want to win the GP, come, you know, get get beaten up on by us for an entire evening to help us practice, we'd be like, hell, hell yeah, man, like, let's do it. We love playing MechWarrior. Like, that's what it's about. It's about the game. So it doesn't... Anybody can get a scrim with anybody. And while these teams are out of the tournament, I think adding the suspense and the the castability from just giving them those teams a breather for the time being i think adds a lot to the tournament it does take some away every risky decision has uh positive and negative points to it but just for this one run we wanted to see what would happen if they weren't there yeah, it's brilliant and as i said it's very commendable that you guys have um have taken that risk and uh, yeah I, I think it'll be great it's um you know at, at the worst thing that would happen is that you look back and say hey maybe that's something we would change moving forward but what you'll learn from it and of course the best case scenario is that you do uh, have a tournament that is contributing more uh, to the comp scene than it would if those top four teams were in there so well done Ben it's 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 great that you guys have um have decided to opt um for something and uh, yeah we obviously we'll be able to talk about it afterwards and see how it's gone yeah yeah for sure so um, it, it's a nice segue uh, really into the, the next point that I wanted to talk about, and we have touched on this 
um, I think pretty heavily, so we don't need to, to talk too much about it. But uh, the uh, Grand Prix obviously is uh, pretty much the third uh, tournament from under the new guys of MWO Comp. Uh, and we have seen two different tournaments leading into this, MOR, uh, the Martial Olympiad Reborn and the Innisfere Coalition for the Grand Prix. And hopefully you guys are um, hoping to make it something regular um, that we see and, and uh, you know, that crops up. I mean, how do you see it placed within the competitive scene? You've already talked about uh, some of the things that you're hoping that it achieves. Um, and, uh, you know, with some of the limitations and the, the changes in um, the drop deck format and some of the structures. But how do you see it fitting f- in two aspects? Firstly, in this kind of league that's trying to be built. Uh, and secondly, uh, in regards to worlds. So how do you think that it contributes to MWO comp? Uh, and how do you think it contributes to, you know, what we will hopefully have as a really awesome player run world champs uh, near the end of the year? So I think one of the key messages, one of of the things, one of the themes I would hope that someone would be able to take away from this is that there there can be creative solutions that you can test to solve problems. I know that previous world championships have had some bumps here and there, and they've had some really nice points too. And there's people talk nonstop, like January, February is mostly just debate of, oh, what could a PGI have done different? And it's, it's just... It's not really about they, they they can't just they're not seers they can't see into the future and automatically know okay we had to make this exact change and everything will be perfect now it's just coming up with creative solutions I just, we just want people to see that there there are ideas that you can come up with you can just throw things at the wall and see if they stick to see if does this work is this this is a creative idea we think it'll be fun Will it work? Tonnage penalties for duplicate mechs and random maps and stuff like that. Kind of trying to solve some of the previous issues of like last year's worlds of everyone just banned the same three or four maps over and over again. Everyone took the same mechs. How do we solve that? What's a creative and fun way for both players and viewers to fix these problems? And I think if anyone were to take one thing, like if this tournament were to crash and burn and not get run again, that would be the one thing I would want people to take away from it, is that we were trying to find creative solutions to common problems. Yeah, and that's fantastic, and truth be told, it's going to be greatly needed uh, as we move into this first iteration, hopefully first of many, of a player-run world champs. Whoever becomes the organising committee or whoever's sitting down to organise the format of the world champs, they're going to need these tournaments to look back on. And if every tournament is the same, it's potentially going to limit, as you say, the, the creativity that they can apply. But instead, they might be able to look at a tournament like this and whether it be the map selection uh, process that you've looked at or you know the duplicate process and the uh, tonnage penalties, there are these um, kind of unique ideas that they can look at. And so do you see Grand Prix moving forward? Let's say you were to do an, uh, another one in a year or six months. Again, it would be a vehicle where you could try out innovative and, and creative structures is that how you really see the grand prix yeah yeah i think it's i think it's an excellent platform for seeing how different creative changes make affect the rest of the competitive scene uh, i mean that's what this grand prix was about is is solving problems that we saw in in the past and then when it comes to you know next year's worlds if there's really creative changes that they make we're we'll, we'll of course try to integrate them if there's creative changes that they thought about making or other people think about making 
then we can try to integrate those into our tournament and, and see how they run. I think it's an excellent vehicle for that. It's short. It's quick. It's should hopefully be fun to cast and fun to watch. And it's it's something that, because of how short it is, we can really just run it in whatever competitive downtime there is. If if comp queues down for you know a weekend or two, welcome to M welcome to two two eight winter GP. You know it. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic, man. And I guess the other thing I'd add to that is that it's not top heavy, and uh, that may actually give you the opportunity to try some things and not have those super good teams exploit it immediately. You know, maybe you do get to test things a little bit uh, by not putting it in the hands of those pure mech savants um, you know that you find in those top four teams it's awesome man and uh, I love again your approach as I've said the the, the amount of thought uh, that you guys have put into it and the care um, I guess that leads me to my last question around what we might see from the uh, Grand Prix and the play do you have any predictions I mean obviously you guys aren't putting in a team so you can give me the you can give me the hints and tips and the listeners the hints and tips for what uh, what meters might we see for a 360 ton limit for some duplicates uh, you mentioned maybe um, you know mad cats but you know we've seen um, IS medium pulse builds be in the Vulcan kind of rise uh, you know we've seen uh, vapor eagle ATM builds you know that are just prevalent in solo queue. Do you think that there's going to be some meters um, that, that we see that are unique to Grand Prix, or will it just be the same kind of AC2, IS medium pulse? I think we'll see something a little bit different. I think um, it, it'll be... I think one could compare it to ISC and find some similarities. Our our average tonnage per mech is, is higher, but not wildly higher. And the the deck construction could work out the same. You could bring all medium mechs if you wanted to with the triple duplicates. It's not that far out of it's it's perfectly reasonable. But with the addition of clan mechs, with things like ATMs that can can deal like eighty one damage if you get at the right at the exact right range to another mech in one volley, like will medium pulse laser mechs still be viable? Like the Uziel, I don't even think the Uziel has eighty one CT armor. So. If you just face this wall of ATM, will medium pulse lasers stand up? But if the medium pulse lasers do stand up to that and they get within close range, will teams be able to coordinate enough to scatter perfectly evenly so that five of their six ATMX still function? Like the, these are all some questions that we'll have to see the cast to to figure out. I think it's I think the fact that you can question something like this so much, like I know I keep saying that, but the fact that you can question these things so much means that I think there will probably be a diverse spread of things happening. Yeah, absolutely. And with MOR, uh, we did tend to see, you know, typically brawl, uh, fast brawl for domination. So it will be interesting to see whether the meta stays uh, in that uh, type of strat. Uh, but there was a bit of cap and control. I say cap and control, I probably went with domination more overwatch. So there was a bit of overwatch um, strats in domination, particularly on Grim. We would see that in MOR, that there was quite a, quite a bit of um, Overwatch that was being used there. So yeah, it will be really interesting. And um, given that it is pretty brawl heavy, it will be interesting to see the kind of IS versus clan balance at that tonnage limit. So, you know, things that'll be really interesting as we prep towards Worlds to see what kind of decks people are putting together when it is domination, when you have that 360 limit, uh, and when you do have this kind of duplicate system that means that you can take a, a far wider range of um, potential drop decks than the other tournaments that we've seen. 
personally, I I tend to favor ATMs right now. I know they just took a little bit of a hit in the most recent patch, and that's unfortunate. I think they're really fun to play. But I, I think ATMs will have a huge impact here. Uh, we just came out of a tournament that's IS only, and people haven't been playing them with the playing with them in a while. And I think reintroducing them, reminding people just how devastating something like that could be, or like ultra auto cannon builds, uh, could be like something like just spitballing here, like double mad cat, huntsman, vapor eagle. <laughs> that's probably like the most DPS you can have with two assaults and two medium mechs in the game right now, or at least if not DPS, burst DPS, right? Like, it, just having those mechs around a corner will vaporize something. So it, it'll be interesting to see how people with these IS medium pulse decks fresh on their mind coming out of that, that tournament, coming into this one. It, I think we will see quite a bit of, of mean pulse. I think we'll see quite a bit of rush decks, a lot of high mobility in-your-face stuff. But I think there will be counters. I think you can, you can bring a decent bit of chunky battle mechs and, and try and stop that. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I think we'll, we'll probably see the um, you know linebackers, the Vulcans, and the Assassins. I think they'll probably dominate those those first two drops. Oh yeah, that that was a pretty yeah. deadly combination. You know, wasn't yeah, it? very common in MOR. So it will be interesting. Obviously, the the tonnage penalty that you have to pay in domination for an assault will be interesting. So for stuff like Mad Cats, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see whether fast brawl and and mobility uh, do trump the high burst alpha that you do get from clans and. Uh, there's always a risk if you're taking ATMs because as soon as you've got that min range, then you're toast. And I, you know, you, you probably may see one or two ATM mix carried here and there in a deck um, just to supplement and be able to kind of hide behind um, some heavier tonnage or something to, to get it. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I'm sure we will see a ton of assassins, Vulcans, linebackers, and of course uh, those those favourites, the piranhas. Uh, I think will be pretty common so yeah looking forward to seeing those uh mech savants out there put together their drop decks and uh yeah see how it goes yeah i think it'll i think it'll be fun i really do so i very much want to get involved oblivion can you talk me a little bit through uh the process of uh getting a team together and registering for the tournament oh that's that's great so uh to do that we we've been advertising a lot on mwo comp uh, on discord We've also been piecing together our own Discord that will be made public shortly. Uh, there will be Reddit posts going up, things on MWO. Uh, a lot of our casters, Defunct Pickle, have been advertising it on their streams. Uh, there's there's a lot of the word out there. There's a challenge page. You can find it on MWO Comp. We have our own Discord uh, chat section in, in their Discord. Uh, it's one of the pinned posts. You just go on challenge, type in your team name, hit register, you're good to go. Um, and of of course we will leave the links to the MWO Discord uh, and and those other key websites. So uh, check the show notes if you are not already um, with that. But yeah, of course MWO Discord, MWO Comp Discord is a great place to start. Uh, so how long have I got Oblivion? Um, you know, and how many team members and pilot members do I need in putting a team together? You have until there will be an exhibition game between us and EMP Thursday evening the day before the tournament and at midnight eastern standard time after that tournament is when i will be cutting off registration so you have until the night before the tournament it not not really till midnight you have until i fall asleep <laughs> <laughs> <Never> really <laughs> to register so probably like 3 a.m okay and what was the date on that one oblivion that that was thursday january or sorry <laughs> january Thursday, July 11th. 
at midnight Eastern Standard Time. Awesome. So by the time you are listening to that, there will be just a few days. Uh, so make sure that you do uh, get registered um, so that you can participate. Uh, any limitations around uh, the number of pilots and stuff like that? So yes, there actually there's a team roster cap of 10 pilots. Uh, there was previously, we made it so that you had to register your whole 10 pilot team on challenge. There were some issues with the uh, UI on challenge. So at this point, it's just register your team for now. And then when the tournament actually starts, you'll be submitting your final roster to me. Fantastic. And as I said, guys, uh, the links to all of these places will be in the show notes. So head along to there. Uh, But yeah, of course, using MWO uh, Discord, MWO Comp Discord as a launching point is really good. Uh, There are rules that you can access uh, that go over all of these things that Oblivion has detailed uh, so that you can uh, yeah, just check exactly uh, what we have said. So uh, let's say I win. Uh, What are we looking at prizes-wise? Oblivion, have uh, PGI uh, come to the table on this one? So we're... It hasn't fallen on me. Uh, part of another part of two two eight has been handling contacting PGI in terms of prizes. We'll, we're putting together a list, I believe, and we'll be sending it to them shortly. We're we're hope we're going to be asking for something nice and juicy. We're thinking like mech packs, MC prizes, and you can definitely expect plenty of uh, reward codes and prizes being given out in the streams for the tournament as well. Fantastic. And then, I mean, that's the best thing about this comp scene is that you can get rewarded for playing and participating, but of course you can also get rewarded uh, just for supporting it by watching the streams and stuff like that. And uh, we have seen PGI be very, very generous thus far to MWO comp. They were uh, fantastic support of um, MOR and some great support of the Innisphere Coalition as well. So no doubt that they will come, uh, come to the table and help out for those teams. Uh, are the prizes limited to just the top four Oblivion, or how does that work? We're thinking that we'll probably be looking at giving all of the finalists, so all the people that make it to week two will most likely be receiving prizes. Again, any, nothing set in stone, but that's that's the most likely outcome, that the teams that survive the cuts of finals will be getting prizes. Fantastic. And of course, yeah, keep an eye uh, on those channels that we talked about, guys. Uh, the 228 Discord, MWO Comp Discord, because no doubt those things will be detailed there. So uh, the last thing that I wanted to cover, of course, is the coverage. You did mention that uh, 228 are going to be the production and organization team that we uh, will expect some streamers that we know the names of. Um, where do I tune in? Uh, and, you know, uh, is it multiple channels or is it Twitch? Uh, how do I get my eyeballs on this tournament? There will be multiple channels on Twitch. Uh, we will be using Twitch as our primary platform for casting this. We'll be using the MWO Comp Discord for like our feature match for each round. Uh, you'll be seeing Nita Pickle, you'll be seeing Defunct, you'll be seeing a bunch of 228 names that hopefully you're familiar with if you watch a lot of competitive MechWarrior and a lot of casual MechWarrior streams as well. Fantastic, and I'm sure most of the listeners do, but uh, if you don't, uh, go to Twitch now and uh, obviously search out those uh, streamer names uh, and hit the follow so that you don't miss out. Uh, and once again, of course, I'm sure these things will be detailed uh, via those uh, communication channels via Discord so that you can see uh, when they are uh, up to be streamed. And of course, one of the benefits, I guess, Oblivion of um, running the kind of one uh, or two weekend events is that you can watch it all in a chunk. You don't have to worry too much about scheduling or anything like that. 
uh, you can just park up in front of the computer or the TV and uh, watch the action for the day. Yeah, yeah, it should be it should be nice. It should be a really fun thing to just chill out on the weekend and and watch some games get padded out by some really really exciting teams. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm very much looking forward to the commentary and the coverage uh, in particular. So yeah, I uh, I really like that you guys are handling that side of it uh, and really bringing that two to eight flavor to the entirety, not just the way that you've organized it, but to have uh, the team members cast uh, and uh, provide some of the commentary is going to be really, really good. So um, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to talk to the listeners about Oblivion, about the tournament? Um, obviously, we would encourage everyone to get involved to go along to those channels that we've already mentioned to register yourself but uh, is there anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrapped up uh yeah yeah of course as, as many as we we need as many teams as we can get like the more people we have the the better the the competitive scene of mech just in general gets it's it's really fun to just come out for a weekend and beat the crap out of some battle mechs like that's what the game's all about right just just punch stompy robots just punch each other in the face shooting lasers everywhere it's it's good fun it's what it's about. And we would love to see as many people as we can uh, come out and, and play and see a diverse pool of mechs get fielded. It's, it's just it's going to be a cool weekend. I, I hope everyone has fun. Absolutely. And of course, uh, if you are not part of a team, you can also go to those Discord channels and register your interest to get together. Uh, as we saw with IAC, we had uh, a ton of unique groups, um, teams that have played together for the first time. So it's not just about established units um, putting teams in. Uh, you can just get six to ten uh, of uh, your friends or even people that you don't know together to participate. Um, I'm sure Oblivion, you would agree when uh, you would when I'd say that comp is a whole other game mode itself. Uh, it brings a level of oh, yeah. yeah intensity and satisfaction like you all have never had playing the game. So it is well worth uh, putting your name in the hat and giving it a go. And for something so fun, why not? Yeah, yeah. Com- competitive Mac Warrior is a whole other beast. It's nothing like public queue solo queue faction play it's an entirely different feeling and it's it's like solid adrenaline sometimes it's brilliant absolutely and uh, the more it is supported uh, the more we have tournaments like this the more uh, the bigger the, the wider the door is um, to get into comp so don't think that you need to be as good as oblivion um, to make your way in or to be um, emp level uh, to, to get into comp it is for all levels uh, and by and large, in most of the tournaments, you will end up playing teams of an equal level. So uh, don't think that uh, skill is a barrier. I mean, I am a good example of that. I'm not very good at the game, but I still play comp. So uh, And I do do it because I enjoy it. So uh, you make sure you participate. All right, Oblivion, thanks so much uh, for talking today. Uh, great to hear about the MWO Summer Grand Prix. Uh, for all our listeners, get out there, register, uh, and uh, show your support either through playing uh, or of course by watching so uh, yeah we'll uh... great to talk to you about it thanks so much hey awesome alright guys we'll catch you next time if you did enjoy this content then please consider supporting us you can do this in a multitude of ways including subscribing to our podcast on your favourite podcast platform and leaving reviews as well as subscribing to us on YouTube and liking our videos You can also support us by sending us feedback, either through comments, tweets, or directly through email. Tweet and follow us on Twitter at IncomingP, or email us directly at IncomingMissilePodcast at gmail.com. You can also support us directly by becoming a patron or sponsor. You can find us on Patreon at IncomingMissilePodcast and choose one of three tiers of support. Patrons not only get mentioned on the podcast and get access to exclusive content, but can even join us as a guest host on the podcast. 
You can also opt to sponsor an episode through one-off donations, all of which will be used as giveaways for our listeners. So if you had a product, service, or content that you'd like us to mention, contact us to discuss sponsoring an episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to hearing from you. We appreciate you listening, and we'll catch you next time. Shutdown sequence initiated.